Welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you to walk out your God-given vision. Now here's today's message. So Nicole, you know, she wants to talk all the way up from Phoenix driving through Flagstaff going up to the Grand Canyon. And I'm not saying a word, man. I mean, I'm just... My knuckles are white because all I'm thinking about is I'm getting ready to ask Nicole to marry me. Do I have the right pick? You know, and then when we got there, when we got up to the Grand Canyon, it was so cold. It was freezing cold. It was in March. And man, I mean, it was so cold. And it was all you could do to just be outside. And we're standing on that south rim. And I thought, okay, here it comes. And I said, will you marry me? And Nicole had, had planned this whole thing because, you know, when somebody asks you to marry you, it shouldn't be a surprise. Should it? Oh, yeah, you're going to fix some stuff here. No, I'm not going to fix anything. <laughs> it probably needs to. I'm not going to fix anything. I was just going to give you my version of the whole drive up there. It was oh. very quiet. He said, you know, because he said, you know, when you're dating, why listen to the radio? Because you need to be talking to each other, you know. And so he would always talk. We would always talk in the car. Well... Up there, he turned the radio off. You know, there's no radio. It was, and it was, it felt, it was four hours, but it felt like six because he didn't talk. And I'm looking out the windows. I'm like, look at the birch trees and look at this, look at that. Well, we get up there, and but the whole time I'm thinking, you know, girls, we kind of get the short end of the deal sometimes. The guys get to, you know, get down on one knee, and we want that, girls. We want that. Get down on one knee and say, will you be my wife? Will you, you know? But we don't get to say, will you be my husband? Because that's a big deal. Because it's not just him asking, it's we're asking, to, in my mind, you know. And we get up there and it's freezing. And he, we sit on this bench and he proposes to me. And I was getting ready and I was just speechless. All I could say was yes. And he, I was speechless. It was God. It was God right there. Because I had nothing to say other than yes. And then he called his mom, and his mom goes, what did she say? <laughs> so that was my... Uh, mom, I wouldn't be calling you if she said no. I mean, come on. Um, so, so... <laughs> and I'm kind of glad that didn't work out so that, you know, she wasn't asking me to marry. I don't know. It would have been seemed odd. But it would have been good either way. So, but, but here's my point. Joseph has asked, hey, you know, will you marry me? And here's Mary on the other side, and she says yes. And I mean, man, there's like the music plays and the real romantic, you know, lighting and everything. And, and I don't know if they sealed it with a kiss, but I mean, here's, here's where Joseph's at. Then, days later, weeks later, we don't know, but she comes to Joseph because the Bible says he found out. So, but it doesn't say how. But now Joseph finds out Mary is pregnant. So guys, how many of you, you're engaged. You just found the woman of your dreams. And she comes and tells you, hey, I'm pregnant. And by the way, it's not a man. I'm, in pregnant, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right, because up to this point, had the Holy Spirit ever got a girl pregnant? No, I mean, I just, I'm just trying to put you in the mind frame of where he is. But here's my point, is that he didn't know God's purpose. 
Sometimes we might be faced with a situation, a circumstance, something is staring us in the face, but we may not realize the purpose behind it. Once he understood the purpose, then he was able to find joy. He was able, you know, he was able to stay with Mary. So let's read that verse. Let's put that first verse up there. I didn't even read the first verse. You know what? Jump to the next one because I just talked about that. And here's, here's, it says that his, her fiance Joseph was a righteous man, full of integrity. He didn't want to disgrace her, but when he learned of her pregnancy, he secretly planned to break the engagement. How many of you would do that? Yeah. Okay. Well, I got an honest guy back here. And so then it goes on in the next verse and says that while he was still debating with himself about what to do, he fell asleep. God put him to sleep. Thank God. And then he, and then he had a supernatural dream. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, clear as light, and said, Joseph, descendant of David, do not hesitate to take Mary into your home as your wife because the power of the Holy Spirit has conceived this child in her womb. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to name him, the New King James says, Jesus. We're going to use the name Jesus. For he is destined to give his life to save his people from their sins. And then at verse 22, this, is, this happened uh, that the word, well, you know what, jump to 24. Verse 24. It says, when Joseph awoke from his dream, he did all that the angel of the Lord instructed him to do. He took Mary to be his wife. So the first hope was purpose. Joseph found hope in purpose because now he understands what the purpose is and he understands what God's trying to do. So, so he decides, you know what, I'm going to stay with Mary. The second place he found purpose was in God's plan. Because now he heard the plan. What's the plan? The plan is, is that you're going to have a child and you're going to name him Jesus and he's going to save his people from their sin. So, so now that he understands the plan, and you know what? You and I can understand the plan. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans not to harm you, but to give you a future and a hope. Did you know that God has a plan for your life? He has a plan for every single person's life. Few people seek God to find out, Lord, what's your plan? What is it that you want me to do? What is it that you have in store for my life? But when you find God's plan, man, it's amazing. It's better than what you think it will be. So let's go on to the next verse there. I think it's in Luke. Luke chapter 2. So this is the same story. There's two, you know, version in Matthew is, was where we were reading before. And let's read Luke. So in Luke it says, so Joseph and his fiance Mary left Nazareth and they, uh, the village of Galilee. They journeyed to their hometown in Judea, to the village of Bethlehem, David's, uh, King David's ancient home. So this is a census that's taking place. So they've asked everybody to go back to their birth, uh, place of birth and register. And so that's why he's traveling there. And it says that, that they were required to register there since they were both direct descendants of David. Mary was pregnant and nearly ready to give birth. When they arrived in Bethlehem, Mary went into labor, and there she gave birth to her firstborn son. After wrapping the newborn baby in, in strips of cloth, they laid him in a feeding trough since there was no available space in an upper room in the village. 
in the New King James, it talks about there was no space in the end. Okay, so I, I'm going to venture to say, based on what the Word of God says, that Bethlehem only had one end because it says there was no room for them in the end. So Bethlehem, if you've ever been there, it's not a big place, you know, and so there was no space. But here's, here's the third part of hope. God will give you hope in purpose. He'll give you hope through His plan, but He'll also give you hope through His provision. So there was no room for them in the end, but yet God provides a manger, a horse trough, if you will, for them to go and to stay. And then, and now she's giving birth and she gives birth to Jesus in a manger. Here's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and He's being born in a barn. It's not a very sanitary place, is it, Justin, Mr. Nurse, to have a baby? It's not a very sanitary place. But yet God provided for them. So my dad used to work for American Airlines. He worked there 38 years. So we flew free a lot. But when you fly free and you're, you, know, you have, know somebody that works at the airline, you fly on what they call standby. So that means if enough tickets weren't purchased or somebody didn't show up for the flight, you get to get on the plane. Well, my dad used to have a saying, because some people say, I, if I can't go first class, I'm not going. My dad used to have a saying, the only bad seat is in the terminal. Because I remember we were trying to get to somebody's wedding one day, and we flew from Tulsa to Dallas, because if you fly American Airlines, you're going to fly through Dallas or Chicago at some point. You know, one of the hubs. You know, and so we flew to Dallas, and we were there all day. We missed 11 flights trying to get our, to our friend's uh, wedding. Excuse me, not a funeral. Wedding. And so we, we got on a plane and flew back to Tulsa. Couldn't get, why? Because we're flying standby. Well, I venture to say, man, the only bad seat's in the terminal. The only bad seat is in the terminal. I mean, here God, God had the plan. So he knew there was a reason that he needed to be born in a major. And I'm here to say in your life, you might see provision and you might go, no, that's not God's provision. Why? Because it doesn't look the way you thought it was going to look. It's not as nice as what you thought it was going to be. It didn't. You know, sometimes, how many times have we bypassed provision because it didn't look the way we wanted it to look? And here, but God had a plan. His plan was that Jesus would be born in a manger. Why? Because he's a king and God is protecting him. He's keeping him safe. He's not letting Herod find out where he is. So now these wise men come from the east. Let's read that scripture. That's back in Matthew again, chapter 2, verse 9. It says, And so they left, and on their way to Bethlehem, suddenly a star uh, they had seen in the east reappeared they're leaving Herod now they're going to look for the baby and amazed they watched as it went ahead of them and stopped directly over the place where the child was and when they saw the star they were ecstatic that they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy come on man hey okay so my brother-in-law because he didn't seem very excited right then it's okay I know, I was pulling it out of you. So it, was, it was building up. I could feel it. But my brother-in-law, he used to play for the, for the Arkansas Razorbacks. And so he has, he has uh, tickets, or season tickets. And, and they're great. They're like on the 35-yard line, you know. And, the, and his seat 
around his seat is all of his buddies, the alumni and friends that he went to school with, you know. And so occasionally, if, if he doesn't want to go to the game or can't go to the game, he'll send the kids tickets or send me a ticket, you know, for Zach and I. And so we went to the game. I remember the first time we went to the game. And we were in Branson. We drove over. And I met all of these alumni, you know, these guys. And here's how I met them. Now, this was not last year, okay? This was several years ago. And when they scored a touchdown, I got high fives from everybody. And that was how we met, man, because they were, they were true fans, man. True fans. Okay, my point is that we are, we are true fans, man. We are friends of the king. And so when, when we have worship, man, I, what I desire is, man, I want to see everybody take liberty, man, have an opportunity. I'm not saying, I, you know, you need to scream and go running around the building six times. I, mean, I What I'm saying is, man, love is expressive. It is so expressive. And, man, you just sometimes in worship, man, I just, I, I just get excited because of who we're worshiping, because of what he has done. Man. And so here these guys come. Let's read the next verse, Zach. And when they came into the house and saw the young child and Mary, his mother, they were overcome. And falling down to the ground at his feet, they worshiped him. Let me tell you, I believe in this church, we're learning so much how to host the presence of God that people are getting overcome when they come in. Because, man, the Spirit of God is here. Then they opened their treasure boxes full of gifts and presented him with gold, frankincense, myrrh, this, this is not inexpensive stuff. And think about this. The king shows up, and right after the king shows up, money shows up. Provision shows up. Why? Because Herod, now, he's upset because the three wise men have tricked him. They didn't tell him where the baby is, and they've left. And Herod says, oh, uh-uh. And he, so he decides he's going to kill all the male children two years and under in the kingdom, in that area. But the... The Holy Spirit, the angel, he spoke to Joseph in a dream. And he said, take your mother, take the child, and escape to Egypt. And here, here's all the provision to take care of you guys in the meantime. Everything that you have need of. I said this when Jen Trangel was here, and it just really has been on my heart, that God's not responsible to pay for Phil's stuff, Phil's plans, Phil's ideas. He's responsible to pay for his stuff. He wants to. I mean, the cool thing is, is that when we begin to live for the king, when we begin to serve the king, what soldier goes to war, Roddy, who, get, who, who has to pay for all of his own stuff? You wouldn't be motivated to go to war, would you? I mean, you have to pay for your own uniform, your own housing, your own food, your own machine gun. No, that's the way the king of kings is. And so what I'm discovering, and, and it's a daily basis, and, and maybe, maybe you're discovering it too, is that, as we seek God and we align our life with His plan, then all of a sudden His provision meets us there. Remember Abraham went up on the mountain. He was told to sacrifice his son. Took his arm back with the knife to slay his own son. And the angel said, stop, stop, we believe you. We believe you. And it says that he turned and looked and there was, an, there was a ram caught in the thicket. God provided a sacrifice. Let me tell you, there's provision for you 
And it's all along that path of living for him, fulfilling his call on your life. You say, Phil, what, what's my calling? Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. That's your calling. Well, no, Phil, I'm talking about should I be a teacher? Should I be a nuclear scientist? Pick one. Then, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. As you go, because here's what we've done, is we have overthought. What am I called to do? We have overthought that so much we have worn it thin. And it's about to break through. You know, but, but God has given us a revelation here that my job is to heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons as I go, whatever I'm doing. Because I do more of this, man, God, God will fix my vocation. I don't have to worry about my vocation. Man, wow. So as I was praying about this morning, and this is my wrap-up already, man. Look at this. Yeah, we're, we're going to be wrapped. We're done is here's here's my point is that I believe I believe that some people have lost hope and it may be maybe a situation in your life it may be a relationship in your life it may be something else in your life but maybe you've just come to a place where you've been standing so long you've been believing so long you've been praying so long and your your hope needs to get reignited you need to get excited again about that thing that you're believing God for. I have a journal at home, and it's my, I don't have a vision board, I have a vision journal. I probably need to get a board so I can put it up and look at it more. But my journal, I look at every day, and in my journal, I, I have all the things that I'm believing for for Vision Church. Yeah, buildings in there, yeah, lands in there, yeah. I mean, I, there's a bunch of stuff in there. There's things that God has spoken to my heart that I don't feel the liberty to share yet because I don't, I don't know if God wants me to share it. So I'm just, I'm like, I'm doing what Mary did and I'm, I'm pondering it in my heart and I'm making sure I want to step out on what we know. And, and so I've been, I take this journal and I look at it and do you know, I crossed uh, two items off the list last week, but those things have been on there for 10 months. It's been a long time, you know, and sometimes it may feel that way in your own life that you, man, I feel I've been believing for this for a long, long time. You don't understand. And maybe you've come to the place that you feel like it's hopeless. Well, let me tell you, Jesus is the only hope. He is the only hope. I worked for a uh, production company in Tulsa. I was a film editor for years, and we did a commercial uh, about hope. And it was this man sitting in this, in this dark apartment with the TV on, and the TV is just snow. And, you know, there's, I mean, he's, he's, he's obviously, the way he looks, he's at, his, he's at the end. He's lost all hope. And the commercial said that you can live 40 days without food, three to five minutes without air. You can live 11 days without sleep. Some of you, I think, have tested that. I have, you know, 11 days without sleep. You know, and this long with, you know, but how long can you live without hope? You can't. So I think we need to change our expectancy. Because when we come in here, or when you go home and you get in the Word of God, you come before the Father in prayer, you know, man, your expectancy should be, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that these things are happening, that I am seeing them come to pass. I am seeing them happen. 
I am seeing this person come back to you. I'm seeing this family member restored. I'm seeing this, this relationship restored. I'm seeing our finances begin to be blessed. And I just believe God wants to restore hope in here this Christmas again in your life. Because I look at many of you and I see, I see opportunities for hope to be restored, for your expectancy, man, to come up. I know in my own life, I, I want the expectancy to, to, to come up in some areas where, where I've, it's just been a long time. So let's do this. Let's all stand together. And I want to pray over you. If that's you, and you say, Phil, yeah, man, I need to have hope again. I need to restore my hope. And so I'm choosing to walk in expectancy. I'm choosing to live a life of hope and expectancy that not only can it be done, it will be done. It will happen. I'm believing by faith. And so, Father, we're praying right now. Lord, I'm praying for every person in here, Lord, that faith would be restored. Hope would be restored. Expectancy, Lord, would rise in the heart of every person here. Lord, that we would believe again. We choose to not be shaken by what we see in the natural. We choose not to be moved. Lord, just like Paul said, none of these things move me. So, Father, I thank you, Lord. We choose to believe, we choose to have expectant hearts, and we thank you, Lord, that we're seeing breakthrough in people's lives. I'm just sensing in here as I'm praying that some relationships are being healed right now. You don't know it, but that person is waiting for you to call them. You haven't wanted to call them, they haven't wanted to call you. But little do you know, their heart has changed. And I believe after this service, you need to go and give them a call need to let them know, hey, I was just thinking about you. Just wanted to check on you. See how you're doing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Vision Church. Vision for life.